When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. It is time to skip the BS. You will get none of that on this show. Time for Undisputed. We will get into Cowboys, Lions, and Micah versus the referees and Aaron Rodgers versus the world in just a few minutes. But first up, we revisit Lamar versus the Ravens. If you will remember, Lamar Jackson's contract negotiation with the Ravens got really ugly last season, got down and dirty. Ravens dared to allow Lamar to become a restricted free agent, only giving them the right, of course, to match another team's offer. But nobody offered Lamar a deal, which raised questions about league-wide collusion in hopes of keeping star quarterback salaries down. I mean, Lamar Jackson was a former NFL MVP in 2019. No offers? And all season, the Ravens treated him like he had proven next to nothing? There were questions about his durability, questions about his still one and three playoff record, questions about his maturity. You think the Ravens have been disrespected this season. Ravens management disrespected Lamar all of last season so badly that I reported he began refusing to participate in meetings, team meetings, and he finally shut it down for good for the season with some kind of knee issue with six games remaining. The Ravens eventually gave him great money, but that took four months after the season ended for that to happen. It sure seemed like the deal could have been done so much sooner and smoother. Lamar sure is earning his money now, isn't he? Now he's favored to win his second MVP. Before the season started, I picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl because, as I said then, Lamar was about to have an I'll show you season. Keyshawn, good morning to you. Good Good morning morning to Richard. But Keyshawn, please, you first. What do you make of what Lamar went through last season as it applies and impacts this season? Well, I mean, in terms of the negotiation, it's a negotiation. That's that's what it is. We as outsiders really don't know what's going on internally with Lamar's camp. Okay? There's so many different reports and so many different things that was being floated out there because, quite frankly, we didn't have information. We were guessing. And what I mean by we, I mean us talking heads on these shows, was guessing about what's going on with Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens in terms of the future. Now, look, there was speculation. There was collusion. There was all this, oh, well, you know, because of Deshaun Watson's deal, they got together at the owners' meeting at one of those places in West Palm Beach or wherever they meet Arizona at the Biltmore Hotel, and they all said, no, we're not going to do this anymore, Skip. We're not doing this. I didn't see it that way. The way that I saw it is it's a middle of a negotiation. He has a certain number that he's comfortable with on the guaranteed money side plus the years. Then when you look at the teams, because everybody's saying, well, there's so many quarterback needy teams in the marketplace for quarterbacks, and here's one that's sitting there. What I continue to say, and I'll continue to say it until I die, they were never going to put an offer sheet together for Lamar, meaning other teams. 
Why would I negotiate, and follow me here, why would I negotiate Skip and Richard for the Baltimore Ravens if I'm another team? And I already know, you ain't letting Lamar Jackson leave the building. So if I decide that I'm going to give him $400 million in guaranteed money and you're going to match it, why would I do that? Just to- well, if you're a rival of theirs, maybe you want to just jack up their salary cap where it's yeah. almost untenable. That, 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 yeah. is the, that is what people thought. Mm-hmm. That's what they think. They would jack it up. But guess mm-hmm. what that now does? It now screws up the rest of the league because the fact that you offered that, True. even though Baltimore didn't want the two first rounders because you don't know where those ones would be. Those ones could be low. You're never getting another Lamar. Yep. So why would you let him out the building? Yep. Why would you let him out the building? So when you look at teams, one of the glaring needs at quarterback and all the teams in the National Football League were the New York Jets. They went hell-bent over to go get Aaron Rodgers. Dude. But Lamar was there. He was. Would you rather have a young Lamar Richard or an older Aaron Rodgers? Me personally, I would like to have a young Lamar versus an older Aaron Rodgers. We just saw what happened to Aaron Rodgers. But what I would say to this in closing is Joe Douglas spent 15 years in Baltimore. He did. Friends with the general manager and Ozzie Newsom and the owner. Beside. So he's not going to ruffle their feathers and play that game. They still eat lunch and hang out and play golf together and all those things. So when you look at that, you say, well, why wouldn't they make a run at Lamar? Perfect situation. Young team. Oh, uh, lights out defense at the time. Why would they do that? I didn't see it as collusion. I just see it as nobody's going to negotiate for the Baltimore Ravens. And in the end, Lamar got the money that he was satisfied with. Not us mm-hmm. saying he should get this. He took what he is happy with. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it, it, you know, my thing is some owners in this league, and it was apparent, colluded on that deal. Um, and they just did not, they do not care about winning necessarily. Some, some owners in this league are not concerned with winning. They're concerned with the bottom line, making as much money as they can. That's why they skimp on certain things when it comes to players and salaries and, and things in the building. They're not trying to win football games. Uh, the Washington Commanders at the time were one of those teams. And it, it, you can, there's no evidence, there's nothing you can tell me to say for them not to be able to say, hey, let's take a shot in the dark. Like it's, it doesn't take a ton to put together an offer sheet. You got nothing to lose. And so it's not like you're sitting there saying, man, we got to go through, jump through all these hoops to put in an offer sheet. It's not that complicated at all. So it literally was a no-lose situation for a team like the Commanders to put an offer sheet in, you know, take a shot in the dark. Hey, if, if, if they don't match it, cool. Take the first rounders. We got a quarterback of the future. We can build on. We got a new ownership group. We're going on and we're going to do good things. The fan base is excited. Literally, it would have been up the street from Baltimore. You move up to D.C. So a lot of his fans, I'm sure, would have moved right up on to D.C. um, to follow his career. And so you could have put butts in the stadiums. You could have made your franchise better. But instead, you said, you know, a lot of these bad teams were the first ones to say we're not in on them. There are a lot of the bad teams, Keyshawn, yeah. the worst teams in the league yeah. with no quarterbacks, no mm-hmm. franchise quarterbacks, or the first to say, nope, not us. We're not going to give them all for sheep. We're not doing anything. And that's where it started to seem kind of collusion-ish to it me did. and to the NFLPA. I agree. And to a lot of people. Yeah. You, you know, because Richard, there was no reason. You know, it, it is true about the, the collusion factor because 
Well, any t- look, the owners in the NFL, as we know, they've all it's always been some little muddy waters with them. They always doing something behind closed doors. There's no question about it. You say the commanders. The commanders wasn't in a position. They had a whole lot going on with the owner in the, in, in the ownership. Then they sell the team. That's still in the process. All that was over with by the time the new owner stepped in. And I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm just of the belief that the Ravens were never going to let him out the building. Like, who are you going to get? Yeah. You're never going to get anybody but, else. But that's my point. Like, you don't, it's not like you got to do a ton to put up together an offer sheet. And that's why people are like, well, they wouldn't have negotiated, negotiated for the Baltimore Ravens. It's not that hard. Hey, you look at the baselines, you look at the comparables, you put together an offer and you throw it out there and you say, hey, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's not like you have a franchise quarterback and you're like, hey, man, we don't want to upset our franchise quarterback to make, make it seem like we're going after other guys. You literally got nothing to lose in a situation. If the Baltimore Ravens match it, then you're like, well, I mean, they matched it. Cool. But everybody just assumed that. Now, if you said Joe Burrow was on the on the market, if you said Patrick Mahomes was on the market, I guarantee you every team is putting together an offer sheet and throwing it out there and just go, and going to hey, say, what? hey, well, y'all going to have to show us that that you're you're going to match this. They're not going to just say, well, the Chiefs aren't going to let him walk away, walk out of the building, so we're not even going to try for it. They're going to say, bro, if we got any chance at Patrick Mahomes, we're taking it. And that was the weird thing about this with Lamar. They didn't take the chance. So it's, it's odd. Now, again, they did that in the draft. That's why Baltimore got him at the end of the draft. And then you thought this other time around that you're like, oh, teams aren't going to miss on him again. They've seen he's been an MVP in this league. There's no way they miss on him again. And they did. No, they didn't miss him. He just should have played receiver. I heard that. <laughs> right. Okay, so let's do skip the BS here. And let's get to the truth of this. There's still a lot of people in charge in power in this league who don't care for Lamar Jackson, who don't believe in him, don't buy him, didn't want to buy him a year ago, didn't want to risk plunging for him a year ago, even though he had in 2019 won the MVP. And if you remember what happened at the end of 2019, they played a home playoff game against Tennessee. And I thought Lamar played very well in that game. He ended up throwing it almost 60 times, which was the problem. But obviously, Derrick Henry ran wild on them. And Lamar threw for 365 again. He was 31 of 59. He, he ran for 143 yards in that game, but they lost 28 to 12 at home to the Titans. And that plunged Lamar's playoff record to one and three, where it still stands today. He's one and three in the postseason. So a lot of people were skeptical of that, I believe. But I think the Ravens were a little skeptical of that. And Keyshawn, I'm not sure they weren't going to let him out of the building. I'm just not sure. It didn't feel that way to me because you they were, were never going to let you, him out of the building. You, you want to talk about mistreatment? Hey, th- this got so ugly that I heard from a receiver who was in the meetings with the Ravens that Lamar was so hurt by the way they were treating him that about midseason, and Richard will remember this game, it was, remember the Thursday night Tampa game, Richard? Weren't you there for that one? Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So he balled out in that game. And I always say, I don't usually call many quarterbacks a baller, but Lamar's just a gamer baller. And in in that game, he threw for 238 and, and ran for 43 yards and completely outplayed Tom Brady at Tampa, and they won that game handily. Well, it was 27 to 22. Remember, that was the game 
as Lamar left the field, there was that sign. I think we have it. If we could show it, that that a fan sort of dropped down about Pam, and Lamar was so moved by it, he picked it up. Yeah, Pam now that he went back with the sign and signed it for the fan and handed it back up to him because he appreciated it so much. But Lamar was just so crushed by all this that that he wouldn't even participate in meetings. And usually I'd be the first to say, come on, you, you got to do it for your team. But I was on Lamar's side here because it, it was clear he had done enough to earn a deal. And I thought he would have gotten that deal before last season started. They could have paid him then. But no, they just let it fester and simmer and, yeah. and and finally sour all through the year. And remember, the last five games, Lamar just said, I ain't playing. And I didn't blame him one bit because he had a knee issue. But I don't think, you know, again, they had a playoff game at Cincinnati. They did make the playoffs. And they had to go with Tyler Huntley at quarterback. And they lost, obviously. Yeah, L- Lamar, couldn't, yeah. Lamar couldn't play in that game. And here's what I would say to that, though, Skip. You got to remember, Ozzie Newsom is still in the building. Yeah, he's okay, not guy, completely in charge the way he used not, to be. He's not in no. charge, yeah. but he's in the building. Is what he? I mean by he's in the building, yeah. Eric DaCosta, the general yeah. manager, mm-hmm. okay, they lockstep. He's okay. not going to allow him to do this quarterback wrong in terms of, you know, moving on from No, he has influence in the okay, building. Okay, but remember, still. this went to the top. This went to Steve Bashotti. Yeah. This is more of an owner issue than a general manager issue yeah, but in the, the end. the relationship is so strong there. The influence that Ozzie has with Steve Bashotti and Eric, I mean, Eric, is just tremendous. So I understand what you're saying and Richard's saying about the collusion side of it. I am of the belief that they were never going to let him out of the building because you can't replace him. Two first-round picks, that ain't nothing. What are those picks, 28 and 32? I mean, that's not what it is. And then when you say, well, they didn't believe in him, they drafted him. They literally drafted him, Skip. Well, uh, after everybody else said no to him. This is not not a different staff. This is the same staff that drafted him. Okay. Remember what happened? Go, Go ahead, Richard. I, I, it, with the Baltimore Ravens and Ozzie Newsom, you have rarely to never seen them let one of their foundational pieces even get close to free agency. They've always been great about getting their guys sewn up before it ever gets to that point where things get contentious. They they say, hey, Ray Lewis, whether it's Ed Reed, whether it's whoever yeah. it was, de- de- the defense. greats of this franchise. Defense. The, the right. greats, well, that's all they They didn't have a great quarterback. I mean, no, but I'm like, saying they, 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 I they, mean they, even Flacco. Flacco, when they had Flacco, they yeah. gave him his deal before he ever got to any kind of situation like this. Yeah. Yeah. And so instead of doing that with Lamar, you said Ozzie Newsom is lockstep with DaCosta. It doesn't seem that way because Ozzie Newsom have never, has never done this and put anybody through this kind no. of process, especially your franchise quarterback. But you're and dealing so with a different level of money versus Flacco, though. You're dealing no, with wait, $100 million I, 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 versus $300 million. There's a different yeah, level yeah, there. But it's a different level with every single quarterback that's going to, to get – yeah. Negotiated with right now. That that's just the point of the conversation. And, it's and not on top like, of that, oh, this is an astronomical. Is, he's not even the highest paid quarterback in the league right now. He's not the highest McCall- paid quarterback Holmes. because he's happy with his money. He's happy. No, no, no. I mean, it's it, it, well, he was at the time, but yeah. Patrick Mahomes has the escalator that oh, of always, hey, no matter what, he'll go above whoever is the top at the time, which is perfectly fine. You know, that's the way the Kansas City Chiefs work. But 
I can never see that's value. That's a guy where they say, hey, this is our franchise quarterback. We would never want to frustrate him. Hey, if somebody gets 52, we'll give you 53. If somebody gets 55, but, but every we'll team, give you 56. Every, every team, team is different, different but, man. They, they negotiate. But they, they all but different. But this was a lack of appreciation. It was. Like, imagine a quarterback winning an MVP in this league and then having to fight for his life. To get the money he deserves. To fight for his dang life to get the money he deserves. He won an MVP on a rookie deal. See, and then had to go to the table. I don't think think he had to fight for his life. I think in the end, it's all a negotiation. This is big boy stuff. This is not, this is not small little kitty stuff. This is big boy stuff. I understand when you look at what Cleveland did with Deshaun Watson. They gave, they backed the truck up. They needed a quarterback. They had a quarterback in 50 years. Okay, but that could have happened when you risk putting Lamar out there as a restricted free agent. Is there another Jimmy Haslam out there? Because you're going to risk that he's just going to plunge and say, oh, I'll, I'll take Lamar. I'll give him whatever he wants, and I'll give you whatever you need in, in the draft picks. That, yeah, that and, but if somebody comes together and offers a sheet that you can't match, if somebody gives him $60 million per year fully guaranteed and you cannot come and match they're, that, they're you not, have risked that by letting him be yeah, you, a, you, I mean, there, a restricted There's no free agent. question about that, Richard, that there is risk. But much like we started this conversation just from the collusion standpoint, these billionaires are billionaires for a reason, okay? They communicate with each other, whether you want to believe it or not. They do communicate with each other. They knew Jimmy Haslam was kind of off the rails when he bought the team in Cleveland, that he might do something. They understand that Tepper in Carolina may do some, just might do some wild stuff in terms of hiring and firing and bring. They know this. They all know who's what. For many years, the Maverick in the National Football League was Al Davis. Every owner understood, we don't want to, don't, let's not cross him because he's getting ready to do something to have us in court. Whatever. They all know who it is. They knew that Jim Irsay was never going to put an offer sheet together for Lamar. They knew that. Like, they just know these sort of yeah, things. There's only but, 32 families and owners. There's only 32 but, of them. But but they're not, They I, look, as somebody who's negotiating, set at the table across from them, they are not lockstep on a lot of these issues. And so if Patrick Mahomes became an unrestricted free agent today, or a restricted free agent today, you'd have 10 to 15 teams huh. putting an offer sheet yeah, in. And I don't care what the conversation would yeah. be. Oh, well, we're not going to put it. I said, this Patrick Mahomes is on the, on the table. Great y'all done point. lost y'all day. Y'all not going to tell me how to run my franchise, how to run my team. I own this team. And that's, that's how they are about a lot of things. Yeah. So it's weird that a guy who's won MVP, and he's the only guy in recent memory that I can remember, Skip, maybe you can correct me. No. That has ever been an unrest—I mean, a restricted free agent. Where his ridiculous. team has allowed him I, I to get to this point. I was dumbfounded by it. Richard, speak to this because you have negotiated for yourself. Lamar, with some help from his mom, was negotiating for themselves against Steve Bashotti. How how sticky can that get? It gets it gets more sticky and awkward for the GMs and and ownership and the head coach than it does for the player because the player. You still got to deal with it either way, whether your your agent is telling you what they're saying or whether the the GM and the owner is telling you what they're saying. So it gets awkward for them because they don't want to man up and look you in your eye and tell you, hey, this is what we're offering. This is why we're offering it. This is the same conversation that they would have with your agent. They don't want to have with you because 
they, they feel awkward. They feel weird. So they try to dance around it. They try to sugarcoat it. And so that's why they don't like to deal with players because players, it's a, it's a matter of fact business. Like, tell me the truth. Like, we deal with it all the time. Keyshawn, you can attest to this. You go no, on the film I, on I'm Monday done. after a Sunday game. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you got to watch the tape where you you drop the pass or whether you caught two touchdowns, three touchdowns, you got you to gotta listen to it and get corrected and then go on about your day. You can do the same thing in these negotiations. Hey, you didn't do this well during your career. We didn't yeah. see, we don't know if you can do this. This is why we're questioning this. Your, your durability has been an issue. Is so correct. this is why our offer is this and why we're trying to protect ourselves in the back end with this type of, uh, this type of structure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. It's not it's not that that crazy. It's not rocket science. But when they're talking to agents who they're familiar with and who they're buddy buddy with, then they can go have a beer and, and sit at the bar and be like, hey, you know, Lamar been beat up, you know, such and such and such. such. It's just a different kind of dynamic that they're more comfortable with. So that's why uh, GMs and owners and head coaches don't really like. You know, it, it was so. it was pretty like when I left the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Skip, it was pretty easy for me with the Carolina Panthers and Marty Herney to do my deal. We did it at the Western Hotel at about midnight. Did you do it yourself? Did, did it myself. Did you? Uh, it was a napkin. Okay. I can't do this, but I can't do that. Okay. I can't do this, and here's the numbers. Here's the deal. Okay, fine. That's good enough for me. I'm happy. So it all depends on who you are. Now, Lamar's deal obviously is mammoth. It's huge. So it takes a lot of strategic moves. Let's not get it twisted. Lamar had advisors. He had sure. a legal oh, team no yeah. of people that just couldn't talk mm -hmm. to the teams, but he could take the offers to them. They but, could but look he through it. But he was going face-to-face. But he was going face-to-face with yep. them. And it, it probably, like Richard said, communication gets a little sticky sometimes because, you know, bringing up injuries and bringing up interceptions yeah, and, and Just turnovers. remember the, the previous year, 2021, he had missed the last four games with an ankle injury, okay? So they're saying five years? The way you play football, the way you run with the football, should we risk five years of this? And, and, and in the end, Lamar won. It took all the way to April 27th after the year was over, but he got what, what I think he wanted in the beginning that they could have given him many months before this. Well, I don't know the structure. No. I, we, we, again, as I said, we don't know what was really going on inside. We don't know the structure. We don't know any of that. For all we know, the numbers... The numbers might have been 260 million, but only 100 of it was guaranteed versus 185 yeah, but, of it guaranteed. But you mean what they were asking for? Or no, whatever? what yeah. they offered him initially, okay. you know, so we don't really know. Yeah. Richard knows how these deals are. All of a sudden, there's a slide in an escalator that didn't look right. Mm -hmm. Then he can't take that. Or if you take us to the AFC championship game, here's the amount of money. And he says, well, no. I want to be able to just get the divisional round, not the AFC championship round. They're saying no. I mean, it's these negotiations are tense. They are in the situations where feelings do get hurt, Skip. In the end, he's happy with the money that he got. I'm happy for him. He'll be back at the table in two years. You think so? Absolutely yeah. so. He's going to win the MVP this year. He's going to win the MVP this year, probably take him to the Super Bowl, win or lose, and then they'll be talking to him in 2025. I hope so. But then it... I mean, I hope so too, because the way they the way they did him right there, Ooh. I didn't like. Ooh, neither did I. And I think Lamar is sort of getting even, even with his own team right now, as well as the rest of the league, just saying, "Okay, watch what I do now. Now that you paid me, I I'm going to show you I'm still underpaid." And to your point, would be back at the Cause, table because Dak Prescott yeah. 
going to be at the table. Yeah. And then somebody going to leapfrog that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're going to get back to Lamar. It's just like this. That's all it does. Because Tua, Tua's coming up. They got to figure out him. Okay, Lamar, Dak, Lamar, Dak. I'm taking Lamar. That's just well, me. Well, yeah, me too. Right. But okay. Sheesh. Well, I'm just it's your quarterback. That was a segue to what's coming up next because we need to talk Dallas Cowboys because they've lost two in a row on the road. They return home where they have won 15 straight games. They're six-point favorites over the Lions. How badly do the Cowboys need to win this football game? That's next. The Dallas Cowboys are a six-point favorite over a Detroit team that still does have a shot at the NFC's number one seed, has won three of its last four, and did have a chance to take a fourth-quarter lead last year at Jerry World. So, Keyshawn, help me out here. How important is it for my Cowboys to just beat the Lions? I, you know, it's that, I don't think it's all that important. Maybe for for from a psychological, mental standpoint that you could stop a dominant run team, yeah. maybe that. Maybe. But it's not going to change their seeding. Mm. I believe, and I think Richard believes the same thing, and many other people believe they're stuck in, 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 in fifth. That's yeah. where they're going to be. They're, they're probably stuck in fifth. So you, you want to play the game. You want to end the season on a good note. You want to do all of those things. It's more important for Detroit because Detroit really actually has a chance to get a higher seed than where they're at right now. They do. So I think I personally think it means nothing to the Cowboys other than finishing on a good note, walking into the playoffs, feeling good, knowing that you can retool your defense to stop a hard-nosed running team that you're getting ready. Probably one of, not one of, probably the best pound-for-pound pound running team in the National Football League right now. I agree with that. Now. I'm so with you. what did Buffalo do to you? Right. You start to think about those sort of things, make the corrections. Mm -hmm. Here's an opportunity to do that. Now, winning, you always want to win. There's no question about it. That's the important thing. But as far as seeding goes, I, I don't think it means anything. You're at home. You always win at home. <laughs> whole, whole, uh, what they right. call it, uh, uh, home court or whatever. Yeah. Uh, a serve home or whatever, yeah. however you say holding that. Serve yeah, holding serve. Yeah, holding serve. Yeah, that's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Yeah, and that's what they've done. This will, this will be um, likely their last home game of the season. They've been undefeated at home the <laughs> yeah. entire time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm not even they're really joking. I mean, unless yeah. something crazy no, happens, right. Arizona beats you're Philly right. or, or New York beats Philly, then for all intents and purposes, this will be their last home game. So um, I guess it means something if you want to, you know, go undefeated at home. It's still a, a big game against a, a team with a winning record. So, sure. It'll count for something. It'll give you confidence going into the playoffs. But it definitely means more to Detroit. It does. I think it means more to the city of Detroit, um, what they've been through. I mean, these last two years, Skip and, and Key, this, this has been the most wins they've had back-to-back -back years in the history of the Detroit Lions. Yep. And they've only had 20 wins. And so this is just – this is history in itself. This is a franchise these fans – who haven't won a, a Central Division title since 93, have yeah. never won an NFC North Division title. And so to have a home field playoff game at this day and age for some of these Detroit fans that have never even seen a playoff game, never even seen a playoff win, it would mean a ton. And so 
Yeah, this would mean a lot for Detroit because they still have a chance at the number one seed. If they win out and, and maybe San Francisco stumbles somewhere along the line, they could potentially get the one seed. Even the two seed, they'd get a home playoff game, which is more than they could say for a very long time. So I think just in general, in terms of aesthetics, in terms of the feel-good story, it means more to Detroit. In Dallas, I mean, it doesn't change anything. Like Keyshawn said, no, he, he said he, they, they – they're in the same seed, whether they win, they lose, they, they tie, they're going to be in the same spot. Okay. So, to Keyshawn's point, is there still some long-shot hope of winning the NFC East? Yes, there is. I already told you, well, it's like that. I already told you, I still believe Philly will lose another football game, not to Arizona. I just think somehow, I don't know if Tyrod's going to be starting for the Giants in that last game, but but. It'll depend on whether Philly needs to win the last game or not. But if they do, I still think the Giants will beat them at the Giants to close the season. They almost got them in Philly this past Sunday. Or was it, what day was that? Monday. Yeah, Monday. I'm losing track of the week. Okay. (laughs) The point is, I already told you, I don't think my Dallas Cowboys can beat the Detroit Lions right now because I think the Lions are playing at a higher late-season level than the Cowboys are. I do think my team has lost some edge, some momentum, some confidence, some spirit, some something that winning teams have and losing teams this late in the year just don't have. And I'm still left flat by what I saw at Miami because – I didn't love it, but I couldn't hate it, what they did at Miami, because they played okay. They, they played some solid defense. They, they held the Miami Dolphins in Miami to one touchdown. They held them till late in the game to 19 points until the last walk-off field goal. So you have to say, okay, that, that was pretty good. But I never, ever, during that whole football game, did I ever think the Cowboys were going to win it. And that, that's horrifying to me this late in the year. So – how much do they need to get back on that horse and ride it? Well, if, if they go home and win a game against Detroit, and they are six-point favorites, which surprised me. I, was try, I tell you guys, I try to guess the spread before I see it. I thought they'd be four-point to, to go to six. They're saying Dallas is significantly better than Detroit. Now, I don't think Dallas is. If I were a bet man, I would bet against my team. At, I would at, take the at, six at points. At home. They're a better well, team. They, okay, they, they have been sensational at home. They've won 15 straight games by lopsided scores. Yeah, at home, they're a better okay. team than Detroit right. at home. But as far as what they could prove by beating Detroit to Keyshawn or Richard, I think they'd prove nothing because you guys would just throw up your well, hands. No, that's like, not true. If, if yeah. it, Here's what they, I said to you, Skip. Yeah. Show me you could stop what's been bothering you the entire year from the Arizona game. Show me you can stop the okay, run. but they did that in Miami pretty well. They outrushed the Miami Dolphins of, but 97 to 91. Coach, that's pretty good. Coach, different type of run team. Okay, well, this is a, this I told is you that more, going into the but game. But this is a more physical. It is. Buffalo, San plus, Francisco, plus. physical. Jameer Gibbs yeah, is flat is- out electric, and, and he can catch it as well as run with it. And if you look at what he's been doing the last couple of weeks, he is catching fire. He is figuring it out. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, but this is one of the best offensive lines in football. It is. And they're both. I agree. And they're, they're mean. They're, they're, you know, you talk about uh, Panay Sewell uh, and the rest of these boys. They, they, get, hey. they get after it. Their head coach is that kind of guy, Dan Campbell. They He's reflect him. Hard they nose, do. Bite the kneecaps. Yeah. collar guys. He's shown you ben played Johnson's, with him, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, in Dallas. Yeah, Ben Dallas. Johnson's one of 
Yeah. One of the best coordinators uh, in football. He's going to get a head coaching opportunity this next season. So he'll draw up some cool things. Aaron Glenn on the other side. I don't know if they have enough defensively in the back end. They, you know, they have some guys that can play, but they, they just I don't know if they have enough to stop. Uh, what you guys have been able to do and what you the rhythm that you've been in Agreed. in the passing game and Dak yeah. Prescott. Um, so I think that's why Vegas has the six-point spread because that's kind of the unknown. Your receivers, C.D. Lamb, Cooks, Gallup, uh, your, your tight end yeah. uh, against this defense. But offensively, I think they're going to have some success. But Jared Goff is a wild card. Yeah. Wild card. Always He's is. He's a wild card in this game. Always is. And if you... If he's clean and they keep him clean, he will. He, he it will be surgical. Skip. It'll be surgical. It'll be it a will. long day for this defense. Yeah. If they get to him early and they they're hitting him, that he's hitting the ground, they're putting pressure in his face yeah. every single play. Yeah. He'll start to make mistakes, and that's just been the history of Jared Goff. So this offensive line versus this defensive line will really tell the story of the game early on. If they keep him clean. And, and he can go back there and diagnose. He can read defenses. He can process, he can. and he can get the ball where it needs to go. And they got weapons, man, because St. Brown is Laporta, the, the rookie, obviously, and then he can flip it to Gibbs, and he's got Josh Reynolds, and Jameson Williams hasn't really sort of gotten his feet back under, his legs back underneath him. But they got weapons, and I know they're going to feel good about playing in this building because I remind you, you can say, well, it was last year, but, but they, they still got a good taste in their mouth at least for three quarters, because I'm going to remind everybody, the first play of the fourth quarter last year at Jerry World, they have it first and goal at the one, just like we had it first and goal one on our opening drive at Miami. But this is the first play of the fourth quarter. If they cash this, they go up 13 to 10 early in the fourth quarter, and they know that. And Jamal Williams got stripped at the goal line and lost it, and all of a sudden we pounce on it and all hell broke loose on Detroit because that was their first turnover. Then Goff threw an interception to Richard's point and fumbled another, got strip sacked on another one. All of a sudden, the, the game just blows up on Detroit and they lose 24 to 6. But I'm telling you, it should have been 13 to 10 Detroit early in the third quarter. So I don't think they'll be intimidated by you know, 15 in a row at Jerry World. No, I think they're, they're, no, no they're, yeah. they're not, they're not going to be intimidated, but you are a better team. At home, you're averaging 40 points. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's you know, this is the yeah. best team that you will play at home this year. Seattle gave you a good run for the money. Philadelphia, whatever that was, they walked in and that was it. The Rams at the time were not playing good. You knocked Stafford out of the game. Yep. But this is the best team. Like Richard said, they're looking, they're scoreboard watching. They're trying to see if the, if the Rams could upset San Francisco or somehow the commanders get an onside kick and yep. win the game. That's what they're looking at. They're scoreboard watching because they have an opportunity to get the number one seed. Mm. If they get the number one seed in Detroit, that, that I mean, like, come on. Come Even on. the two seed, they already got a home game at, because they won the they won their division, so they got a home game. And when you're the two, you never know what could happen to the one. And you don't and, yeah. know what's yeah. going to happen when you're the two, right? All yep. of a sudden, you look up in the one, Oh, I got home field advantage as a two throughout the playoffs now. So they're going to come in there ready to play. I want to see, though, can Michael Parsons and Lawrence and the rest of the defense stop the physicality of Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson and what they're going to try to unleash 
on play calling against you. They are third in rushing behind the Ravens and the Chicago Bears led by Justin Fields in his legs. So you, you can see they're third in rushing. They're fifth in points scored, but to Richard's point, they're 24th in points allowed. So they've been pretty shaky to bad on defense. So this is the game where the off, you, you just have to outscore them because you're, you're going to think they can even score. If you, even if you outscored them mm -hmm. and you won the game, if they rush for 190 yards, I got a real problem with okay, that. I know, and they well might. I think they got potential. I think Jameer Gibbs, I, I think he's better than the Cook kid up there in Buffalo. I, I, I just think he's more explosive than James Cook was, who exploded all over us at Buffalo, obviously, and yeah. they just ran us completely. And because, because Richard knows this as a defensive player, yeah. come playoff time, the teams that are portable that you go up against that can run the football, th those teams are dangerous. All right. So here's my weird theory about this weird Dallas Cowboy team because we've seen them explode before. We see the firepower. We see the, the positives, and we see all the negatives. So I don't care whether they win this game or not. In fact, I don't really want to come in here on Monday and hear you guys say, well, that's what you always do. You win at home. It, it'll only validate – the, the narrative of, well, you can't win on the road, right? So if we lose at home, I, I'll, just, I'll just throw up my hands and say, okay, next, because they won't play their starters at Washington in the finale because they don't need to. They're just resting up for the, the first road playoff game, which we th it looks like at this point it would be at, as I say, Tampa Baker, as in at Tampa Bay featuring Baker Mayfield. So if that's the case, I think we could go win that game. We beat Tom Brady in that same game last year and beat them badly. So if we do go win that game, to me, I would like Dallas's chances of going on the road, San Francisco, wherever it would be in the next, you know, the next level Here's of the playoffs. Here's the problem that you have. Yeah. Here's the problem that you have, though, Skip, with what you just said. The Dallas Cowboys are not the type of team that need to rest up. Okay, they're just not. They need yeah. to win every okay. single game. Yeah. They're but, just not. Okay, but you want to make sure you're healthy going to Tampa. Yeah, but, but, you're if to you're, Tampa. but you want to go into the playoffs with some momentum, man. Okay. You don't well, want to be talking about, lost all the you don't want to yeah. talking about no resting up because okay. you will get your doors hey. blown off. All right, but you already said right. it doesn't matter whether you win this game or not, right? Yeah, but you still want right. to show up. You don't I, want – I've been there. I've been there with the resting up and all that and looking ahead because yeah. we clinched early. And then we get our doors blew off in the first round, which right. probably going to happen to y'all anyway. I don't think it right. will. You always end up in, in, in a dogfight early on, and you don't, you don't have, like, the most veteran championship pedigree team right now. You know, if you, if you had a team where you're like, hey, they've been in NFC championships, they've been in Super Bowls, like, rest them. They know what to expect. You got a relatively young team yeah. when, you come to your, when it comes to your foundational pieces. Um, you know, so your C.D. Lambs, your Michael Parsons, um, those guys are young. Those guys need to play. They need the reps. They need to be out there and understand the sense of urgency out there. Sometimes yeah. you rest a guy like that, and it gets you get you get lackadaisical, yeah. and you go into this next game in the playoffs, or it's a different kind of sense of urgency that people are like the game's faster. I don't know if the game's necessarily faster. It's just everybody is serious. Every yeah. play matters. There's a yeah. sense of serious urgency each and every play. And if you haven't been in that environment, then it kind of catches you by surprise. Okay, but hey, we've been in a lot of NFC Championship games. We who? In, in the 90s, oh. right? In the 90s, it's been 30 years, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> okay, we need to talk some Aaron Rodgers because he's at it again. He fires back at his critics again. Man, this man is a master media manipulator. We debate next. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Back down. Now for my favorite segment, your turn. Hashtag Unspeeded Live. Here we go with the first tweet. Impatiently waiting to watch Richard Sherman destroy Key with stats and simple all-caps logic after commercial break. <laughs> really? In simple a few logic. minutes. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just, just, just simple logic I, and facts. That's I, all I you need. Logic. I had no idea what Richard was talking about yesterday. Okay, well, but guess what? That was just That's me. the problem. Guess that what, ladies and gentlemen? Me. We're going to tee that back up in just a few <laughs> minutes here. Is Lamar the MVP? Get your popcorn ready for that one. Next tweet is from Joshua. Keyshawn Johnson predicted the Cowboys would lose three in a row. Bills, Miami, Lions, they lost two of those so far. Skip is quietly remembering that prediction, thinking Keyshawn was right. Yeah, I went back and forth on Miami, but yes, then I, once I saw Miami yeah. play, then right. I saw the Miami, Cowboys play the Bills. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I got to get back to Miami. Okay. Wait, Keyshawn, Keyshawn, yes, did we have dinners on this one? I yeah, but feel I, like I, we, I, I had two. Yeah, but I'm going to let so Skip. down to two dinners? Wait. I'm going to let Skip pass. Wait, two dinners? I don't remember any dinners on Miami. I didn't bet anybody on Miami. I definitely. You, you, bet us, you bet us on Miami, and you bet me that you wouldn't lose more than one down this stretch of tough games. Well, that's you said y'all would be issue. four and so, one. Yeah, Some, I did do that. Y'all lost two. Sometimes you have to remember people have selective hearing, Richard. No, no, that's, they don't. They have tape. They have you know, forever tape. That's we what I'm saying. We might need to run that tape, tape back. I don't because, remember any Miami bets at all. I, I, don't, I didn't bet you against Miami. I, I don't think anybody I, I did. I definitely and, did. I and, think we did. Really? Well, I know yellow yeah. owes me. That's what I do. Okay, know. I was four up on Richard. We'll have to check the tape on that. I think Keyshawn still owes me four. No, I don't. I owe you two. You just lost to, on your Saints the other night. That, that went back to four. That I got you again. Yeah. All right, last tweet is from Justin. When Skip realizes this is actually happening again. Which part? Well, then. <laughs> it can only be one part. It's the Cowboys closing their tent. Yes. But it ain't over <laughs> until it's over. Don't let us get another playoff shot at those San Francisco 49ers back in San Francisco because we'll be there. I don't think y'all yeah, can beat them. They beat you a third time in a row. In three years in a row, Skip, I don't yeah. know what you're going to You're going to look like this kid right here. Third shot. And they might be, hey, look, Skip, they might yeah. actually be playing with Sam Darnold by the end, too. They might. Good. Bring him on. <laughs> I'll take Baker Sam. over Sam any day, as I did before that draft. Okay. Aaron Rodgers says he's mad at the quote-unquote conspiracy theorist for portraying him as selfish, for taking up a roster spot, even though he's not playing. He says it wasn't his idea to be activated from injured reserve and would have been very content to finish the season on IR. By activating Rodgers, the Jets had to release another player, veteran fullback Nick Bodden, who later returned to the team on the practice squad. But this is what Aaron had to say. I assumed I was going to go on IR. I asked to be put on IR because... Uh, you know, there was a conversation, do you want to practice? And I said, not at the expense of somebody getting cut. Um, I know how this works, and I didn't need to feel like I needed to practice to continue my rehab. I could do on-the-field stuff on the side. Um, 
but obviously uh, I got overruled there. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. And yeah, that was a you know interesting situation. I called Nick right away. I just said, hey, I just hope you know this isn't coming from me. I'm, I'm, I asked him to put me on IR. Um, but he actually said, hey, look, I'm vested. I'm getting my money. I'm fine. Hmm. Keyshawn, your response to what Aaron Rodgers said. I'm completely with Aaron Rodgers, 195%. He can do everything on the side. He's not, he's, not, he's not playing this year. He can do everything on the side. But what happens in these situations, decisions are made from upper management. Coaches make these decisions and say, hey, we'd like to have him actually throwing around offense alignment, throwing with defenders, we need somebody like Aaron Rodgers to run scout team at times. It, it, it gets some of the rust out. So I get it. They're, they're not probably in this next couple games, they're probably not going to use a fullback a whole lot. The guy's getting one point or, or whatever the proration is on the 1.1 yeah. million from being a vested veteran mm-hmm. in the opening day roster. So, look, it, it here's why Aaron Rodgers is always, I guess, attacked in conspiracy media, whatever you want to call it, because he's always on those shows talking about something going on. Well, it's that show. It's not those shows. Or that, yeah, 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 that, yeah. that Pat McAfee show. Yeah. He's always on there every mm-hmm. week, every week, talking about something. And I think it has become a situation where people are tired of looking at him and hearing him. And then go back all the way to Green Bay. It was kind of like the same thing. In you know, people just kind of like, it's all about him. It's all about him. Most players that are injured and not playing, they go away. <laughs> they just hide. But yeah. they're not Aaron Rodgers, no. and they don't have platforms to be able to, you know, say whatever it is that he's mm-hmm. one message that he wants to get out, whether yep. it's him going in a cave for two weeks in the dark. I, I don't have a problem with what just happened in New York at all. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. You know, I don't know what Joe Douglas is doing, honestly, Skip. And, I, and I've had this conversation a few times because yeah. I didn't know what they were doing when Aaron got hurt and they didn't go get an established veteran like Jacoby Brissett mm-hmm. or, or even try to go get Jameis or anybody, you know, your boy Cooper Rush. Like, yep. take a chance and to get sign, any veteran quarterback. Go back and sign Joe Flacco back. Yep, Look what he's go. doing. Yep. Go, mm-hmm. go back and sign Joe Flacco. I mean, there was a lot of the good decisions uh, that people would have saw you make and been like, oh, okay, they're trying to do something. But instead, yep. you wasted a great defense and a great you team did. and some of these great weapons by trusting a Zach Wilson that you had seen the previous year. And so in this situation, I, again, am puzzled and left scratching my head about what Joe Douglas is necessarily doing in this situation. Because as to, to Aaron's point, he said, I'm good with y'all putting me on IR. I don't want nobody to get cut. And what it seems like the Jets brass said was, hey, this guy's contract is fully guaranteed. We're going to elevate him back on the practice squad. We're going to elevate him on game day because you get to elevate a practice squad a certain amount of times without it counting against the roster spot and, and actually sending him through the waivers and all that. So yep. they're pro- he's likely going to still be active on game day, and Aaron's not. But it just seems like a lot to be doing for a quarterback who isn't going to play. You're not in playoff positions. If you're in playoff positions or in a hunt, you'd say, hey, they want to motivate this team. They want to just see. You know, it's a carrot. You see him practicing. You know, having your leader out there would mean something. It means something to have your guy out there saying, hey, if we can get to the end of this road, he can bring us home. 
cool. But you're not in that position. So I don't really understand this move at all. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know what to say, Skip, because I really okay. don't. But, right. I, but in the end, I, I can only think that they want to see or give him the opportunity to get reps like I said, with people around him, and he can throw to the no, receivers, and that, okay, that's the only thing I can think of. I'm going to say it again. Aaron Rodgers is the all-time master media manipulator. He just pulled off becoming year-long the most talked about, written about, debated about New York Jet, and he played four snaps this year, and he managed to keep himself in the center of attention week after week after week by dangling, teasing this little caveat of, I'm going to shatter the mold. I'm going to come back way faster than anybody ever has from Achilles reattachment. And I know, Keyshawn, you've wondered, did he really rupture? I'm, I'm just sure he ruptured. I still, I'm still okay. going right. to ask the I, question. I, I understand. <laughs> but I am virtually sure he ruptured. That Dr. Elitraj out here in Los Angeles did the surgery. I'm sure he did a great job on the surgery. And I do think Aaron is somewhat ahead of schedule, but not so ahead of schedule that he was ever seriously contemplating stepping on a football field in a real NFL game and playing quarterback. I never bought it. I don't think Richard ever bought it. He's been through Achilles rehab himself. I think he would have stepped, if they were in playoff contention, this dude's going to play. I just don't think he would. Yeah, he would have been. If, 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 they were, so if they were in playoff contention, yeah. he was going to play. Okay, this could be career-threatening if you re uh, It could be career-ending right yeah. now. Yeah. So I know right. he was going to play. Either way. Yeah, either way. What, what? We, we, we got a chance to sit down at dinner with uh, Dr. Elitrosh, and that's the first thing I asked him. Uh, I was like, is this crazy? Like, this seems crazy. And what he said was it could have even been a faster process had Aaron stayed in L.A. and continued to rehab. Him flying back to New York and spending a week there kind of set him back. But to Elitrosh's point, he thought that Aaron could come back even faster than he is now if they just really just got after it and grinded through because of the technique that he used. And I was like, I was dumbfounded as I was having a conversation with him because yeah. some of the terms and some of the terminology and, and, and the techniques that he was describing, you know, kind of went above my head and yeah. above my pay grade. But, um, but the fact that he believed that Aaron could come back and he talked about the Cam Akers situation and how Cam Akers yeah. came back in 19 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, but so I do think realistically they were attempting to get him back on the field at this time and at this moment. But there's no point in leaving him active at this point in time. I mean, even if Keyshawn, even if you're, he's throwing to these receivers, they're going to be so pissed off on game day that he ain't throwing to them because it's going to be so good. In practice. They're going to be like, man, I could have been getting this all year. And now I got to go back and deal with whatever Trevor Simeon's and no offense to Trevor, but he's not Aaron. No. Yeah. And, and I've played on teams. Skip, where guys have come back from injury and they're not ready to play in games, but they gave us looks on the, on the, on the uh, scout team. Sure. They, so I can see Aaron taking scout team reps and doing those things. Now, to, to go back to what you said about a, a media manipulator, what is he going to do? He's on TV every single week. This yeah. is not... <laughs> The backup quarterback. This no. is a future Hall of Famer. What four-time uh, MVP? Is it four? Yeah. Yeah, four-time four. MVP, Super Bowl. Like it's, it, he's not. He can't just go hide in a corner. 
Even if he was in. Well, he could. No, he I mean, could. like he said, well, out of no, sight, out of mind. No, if no, you're no, no. He's in New York. Yeah. He ain't in Canada. Mm. He's in New York mm-hmm. playing football for the New York Jets. Yeah, but he if he didn't the do the show prized, every week, we wouldn't have been talking about it. But he is the most prized possession in the offseason acquired by any team. Sure. This past offseason. Well, he was the star of hard knocks leading he up He was the to star it. of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. So he can't just go high. Because guess what? As you worked in New York, I lived in New York, I played in New York, I know about the New York media, they're going to find him. Even if he went somewhere and hid out in the middle of a, 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 a island in Alaska, yep. they would find him. Well, if he went on a darkness retreat, they wouldn't have found him, right? Because remember, he did that for two weeks. You can't find him on a darkness retreat. Well, I mean, yep. it's a room that's dark, man. It's not, it's not as bad as he described it. <laughs> okay. But there's supposed to be no yeah, phones, yeah, a, no phones. No, there's no phones. Yeah. There's just a room with dark, and you yeah. get your food, and you chill, and you, you know, okay. you're mine. California right. stuff. Okay. All I know is I think Aaron is the biggest diva in the history of quarterbacks. and One I'm gonna, of them. I, I just think he's at the top of my list. He's won he's one, okay. all quarterbacks of divas. To well, be sure they are. Star ones. Well, you have to have some in you to play that position. I'm glad you finally – I'm glad okay. somebody finally admitted that the quarterbacks are divas although, and not put it on all receivers. Although no quarterback has been as big a diva as some receivers that I know. That's not they, true. they take the cake that, that's on not the true. diva That's not true scale. at all. It's no. not true. No, it's not. Well, what about 19 for the Jets? Just give me the, the damn ball. 19 from the Jets was a football player. Oh, well, I agree okay. with that. He, He's he, also a he, big he, diva. He showed up every single <laughs> Sunday. Well, so do quarterbacks. Okay? But yeah. here's what I would say about 19 from the Jets. Mm-hmm. He wasn't appreciated by the media, but he appreciated by him now. Oh. <laughs> you didn't know what hey, you had until now. it was gone. Talk about right? it. Didn't know until it was gone. Really? Still, still looking to replace him. Really? Still, it's been, I don't even know, 20-something years, they still looking for the replacement. I don't know. Garrett Wilson looks pretty uh, again, good to me. Again, <laughs> they still looking for the replacement. Don't get me started, that Skip. Richard, are you <laughs> buying this? They, they are still looking for the replacement. Yeah. I'm just telling you the truth. Okay. Well, you're just Skip, if he got his name in the record books, I got, you got to give him credit. You know what I mean? If his name is still etched in them record books, yeah. then he's right. I, I just don't think you ever had Richard Sherman covering you while you were a Jet. That's, that's a yeah, truth. Yeah, that that would have made a different he, he, story. You know what he's getting ready to try to do? Yeah. He wants you and I to go back and forth for about 30 minutes here. You know, that's what oh, he's trying so to do. kill the clock? You know, that's what he's trying to do. He <laughs> wants me and you. But here's what I would say. Richard Sherman was a nice corner in his day. A nice corner? A nice corner, corner in his day. Would say the best I would love time. to have played against Richard Sherman. Really? Because I played against Prime and Ty Law and yeah. Chad Bailey and Sertain and all Those them other the Madison and Al Harris. And so Richard, Richard, you know, he... Nice guy. I like Richard. During, I never heard Richard called a time, nice corner. I, I, I don't know. Nice guy. I, 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 I like Richard. Aeneas Williams. <laughs> I mean, I went through a pretty good gauntlet. Uh, uh, Keyshawn, no do you question. realize how tall and long Richard Sherman is and how you he realize, can match your physicality? See, but you realize. I ain't worried about Richard. Richard's soft. You, re, you, you, realize, you realize, you realize Keyshawn, Keyshawn, I played against Megatron. You realize I, how I played big against Megatron, Keyshawn. You, you he's realize huge. That. Yeah, and he's huge. Megatron. But do One you of the realize, greatest to ever play this game. Look, do you realize dudes like Ty Law is not small? They're not, he's not small. I'm, I'm, Them I'm dudes not talking is big. No, I'm Ty talking Law. about you, Skip. You, Skip I'm said not, big, you like you're that. big, but that dude, Ty Law, okay. is big. Richard is you know? a full six feet, three yeah. inches tall and Skip. long. Skip, yeah, Skip, 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 you can look on, you can look on the all-decade team for my I time. I don't care about no decade teams. I know, usually when people ain't on it, they don't care about it. I put my film up against anybody. 
And I now hear you when read about it up against Megatron's. It I'll put it, it up. It won't stand I'll the test. I'll put it up it against anybody. Put it up against Julio with seventeen different really quarterbacks. Some of the quarterbacks that was throwing me the ball. Some of the quarterbacks that was throwing me the ball, Richard. Yeah. I don't want to go there. 17 different ones in 11 years. I don't want to go there. Keyshawn, Richard Sherman's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm rooting for him. I hope. I hope that they do it immediately. What do you got? Two more years? Two? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Three. Three? Okay. Enough of this. We got to get back to my Dallas Cowboys because Micah continues to rip the referees, and now Jerry has joined him. Here we go. Michael Parsons continues to complain about refereeing or lack thereof. He says the refs failed to call repeated holding penalties on those blocking him. After Sunday's loss in Miami, he posted a picture of himself being held without a penalty, and it's some picture. We'll get to it in just a couple of minutes here. But now Cowboys owner Jerry Jones says... He agrees with Micah's assessment that referees make judgment calls on him and that refs don't call penalties if they think Parsons won't get there and make the play. Jerry said that doesn't work for Parsons because he's about to get there almost all the time. Jerry says that his son, Stephen, who's on the competition committee, will ask that committee to address this issue. Jerry said this is not the first time that penalties have been defined by unique skills of a player. Not the first time at all. It's happened to us. Richard, (laughs) you first. Do Micah and Jerry have a point? Very rarely do I agree with Jerry, as you know. But yes, he definitely has a point. Every pass rusher, every great pass rusher in this game today will agree with everything that was just said. Miles Garrett, (laughs) Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, Mm -hmm. uh, Max Crosby, They would all say, Micah Parsons, stand on the table, Jerry Jones, go to the competition committee and do the same thing. But in the same breath, Jerry Jones and every single one of these owners will say, well, we want it officiated like that. We want our quarterbacks to be safe. Because if you let these these guys, and you call it like you should, because you can call holding on Nick Bosa just about every play, on Micah Parsons just about every play, on Miles Garrett just about every play. If you call it like you're supposed to, then these offensive linemen will take their hands off. They'll play it straight, and they'll get beat. And these quarterbacks will be on IR before you bat an eyelash because these guys are ferocious. They're great at what they do. They have great technique. So Jerry's saying one thing, but if his quarterback is staying safe and staying upright, then he's okay with it. But if his pass rusher, on the other hand, is getting held, then he's got a problem with it. So I think they're making a whole lot about nothing because they are part of the competition committee, and they know that they're going to handicap the defense in every single way they can because they want not only do they want points, but they want these quarterbacks that they're paying all of this money to to be upright and healthy for the entire season so they can sell these games. You don't want two backup quarterbacks going at it for the whole season. Like this season we have, we have so many backup quarterbacks, the AFC North, especially you got so many backup quarterbacks, the ratings I'm sure for those games aren't what they should be otherwise or what they would be in the play. The records aren't. And so, yeah, I think they have a great point, but I don't think Jerry really wants to make that point because if they make that point, then you got other guys that are going to get freedoms too. All great points. You know, does he get held? 
Yes. He's in the trenches. <clears throat> There's going to be grabbing and holding, mm -hmm. and guys are going to slip off and yeah. grab him around the neck, and another guy's going to double-team him and grab him around the waist. So it's going to happen. Yeah. That's just the reality of it. Even when defensive backs are in press coverage, mm -hmm. they hold, they grab, they, 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 that's what, they handsy. And so when you look at Michael Parsons' situation, the way that I look at it is when are these things happening, okay? Uh, are they egregious? Is it, is it a, a, a game-changing, defining moment in time that these are happening? Could he have closed out the game because he gets Scott free to the quarterback, then all of a sudden he's held? Yep. That's when you complain. Yep. Because throughout the course of the game, he's going to get held. If he's playing an average of 50 snaps a game, he's going to be held on half of them if he's rushing. I, I agree. I mean, that's just... That's just the, the nature of the beast. And like Richard is saying, you're bringing eyeballs to him, but now you're getting ready to open up a Pandora's box to everybody else in the league that goes against the quarterback. Mm -hmm. The T.J. Watts of the world, you know, you mentioned the Miles Garrett. So all these guys are now going to say, well, you're doing this, call it like this with us. You call it like that with him. So you don't want that if you're Jerry Jones because you got a highly priced quarterback yep. that is cooking right now for you. Now, you start allowing defenders to tee off on your quarterback, you'll be with Cooper Rush. I mean, that's just what it is. That's something that you don't want. So, and what I would want Michael Parsons to do is fight through it. Mm. Just fight through it, man. Yep. You, and I understand his frustration, and I understand all that, Skip, and he wants his fair share. But you got to find a way. No excuses. Don't complain. Don't make any excuses. Yep. Just find a way to get it done. Okay. I'm going to give Jerry Jones one point because I was fortunate enough to be in Chicago in 1998, and I got to cover Phil Jackson coaching Michael Jordan through the playoffs. Phil was the master of working the refs through the media. I'll never forget game six at Indiana. This is in the Eastern Conference Finals in 1998. They lost, which forced a game seven back in Michael's house, which he won, of course. But Phil went off on the referees, and you plant seeds in their psyches that would maybe give you the benefit of the doubt on some calls in a game seven. So is Jerry planting seeds in the psyche of the refs who are second-guessing themselves like, maybe we should have called this, maybe we should have called that. Back to the picture that Micah posted, it looks pretty egregious. I don't know that the picture's doctored. I don't think it is, but the, the mm -hmm. caption is, free me, dog, whatever I did to the officials, I'm sorry. Well, I know what Micah did to the officials two weeks ago. He said they all have big egos. Well, it's not a wise thing to say about the referees because <laughs> they'll plant negative seeds and they'll say, okay, watch this. We'll just watch you get held. Man, is this okay. picture real? <laughs> I don't know if it is, but it looks pretty yeah, egregious. It's 100% real. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. You got that one. All right. Now to Keyshawn's point. The one thing that disturbs me about young Micah, and he's still a young football player, and I'm not even sure he has his total man body just yet. There are times I want to see him power through the holes because – there, there were times when, again, I keep bringing up invoking the name of Lawrence Taylor or let's go Charles Haley. I, I watched them so many times get clutched and grabbed, and they just blow through it. it. It's like nothing will stop them from getting to the quarterback. You can hang on for dear life, and they're still going to get to the quarterback. 
And sometimes I want to see Micah play with a little more power to go with his speed that he doesn't yet demonstrate. So he, he fought okay. through that one. Okay. Well, you can he sometimes fought, he, he fought does. through that sometimes, one right there and made a hell of a play. Does. Okay. Well, how many hell of a plays did he make Sunday or uh, Monday? Excuse me. That, what day was Saturday at Miami? That's not my fault. How, how many plays? He had a half a sack and he did not wreck the game. I mean, okay. he, he, he met his quota, Skip. He yeah. met his quota for December and January I know. last that's year. That's a good point. Touche. You, you see, got I, I like that, though. If he can do that, that that's. That's what I want to see. Okay. Did you see one play during that Miami game where you said, oh, Micah got him that time because that half a sack, Dorrance Armstrong got there first. I don't care what you say. He was the one who powered up yeah. through the, the middle and yeah. got there first. And Micah. Skip. But, Skip, I'll take trailed. this right here. I'll sure. take this play. Yeah, that was great. All day long, I'll take that. For sure you will. You'd like to see it a little more regularly yes. because you see it from TJ and you see it from, as Richard says, from Nick, and you definitely see it nearly every play from Miles Garrett. You want to talk about grown man strength, see Miles Garrett. Okay. And, and yeah, it's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Skip. Mm -hmm. But you talked about Charles Haley and yeah. the great Lawrence Taylor and, and, and Deacon and all these other guys. They, they had different <laughs> things at their, at their disposal, Skip. You can't just club it. And abuse like you used yeah. to be able to. They, again, made rules in place to limit what the defenders can do. That is correct. And to protect these quarterbacks. Okay, so what do I see so far from Micah? I see he's he has 13 sacks and it's tied for seventh. It's not bad, but it's not great. It's not what we thought he'd be defensive player of the I year. I thought you'd have had 20 by now. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. He's sixth in pressures in the league with 40. That's it's pretty good. It's not not dominating. Okay, okay, so he moves the four. All right. So Pro Football Focus grades him the fourth best pass rusher behind Miles Garrett, behind Nick Bosa, behind Dexter Lawrence, who flies under the radar constantly. But okay, Mike that's fine. Is you got two of the best dudes yeah. on yeah. your team. There you go. Now right. stop somebody. Okay. Thank you. Now back to your point. This is my biggest point about this. You just lost back-to-back -back road football games. You got destroyed in the first one. You, you didn't make plays that you needed to make to close the deal in the one at Miami. And now you're belly aching. Now you're sour graping. Now your focus is on the wrong thing to me because I don't want to hear this from my football team right now. I, I need you just to go play football. I need you to focus on Detroit and go wreck Detroit's game. Because if you can, like Richard made the point, if you can put some heat on Jared Goff, he, he will unravel quickly. He's got that haywire gene. He will throw it to you, but you have to get to him first. I'll never forget this playoff game out here in the place that you used to roam at the Coliseum, Dallas at Rams, going back a few years back. But, mm -hmm. again, Michael was not there yet. But Jared Goff, just he just stood back there all the when Sean McVay's offense just ding, 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 ding just picked us to pieces, and we lost 30-22. to 22. He even made a big play with his legs at the end on a big third down play that but, he kept the ball. But, Skip, you, 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 yeah. you say you just need them to focus in on Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is all part of the plan. Yeah. Part of the plan is focusing in on Detroit to get the attention of the referees yeah. because they know what running game is coming to town. Yeah, but there's a lot of excuse-making built in. Well, I don't, like, oh, I, you know. I don't necessarily yeah. call it excuse-making. I call it bringing attention to what's been going on because you're getting ready to go up against a team that's going to try to run the ball down your throat. So if you can bring this awareness to the referees at a moment in the time 
that you get ready to play them, and they see some of these egregious acts that's been that went on in the Miami game. Yeah. Because one of the things that the referees do is they watch the film too. Yeah. To 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 under, better understand blocking schemes and what teams are doing, so they can make the right calls. Yeah. So. I don't mind what Jerry is in, in my okay, course. But right now, I'm more concerned about pancaking than holding because I'm afraid we're going to get pancaked a lot in the run game. Well, that might be true. Yeah, okay. And Micah might get pancaked because he's soft against the run. I'm sorry. He just is. And you said it. I, I did. I did. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> look, look, Skip, I, I feel like it's part of the, the gamesmanship. I don't think Jerry oh. necessarily means it because in these playoffs, they ain't calling nothing. I'm going to let you know that. I know that. We know that. They know that. They're not calling anything. So you better learn to fight through it because in the yeah. playoffs, on those edges, whether it's receiver, corner, or, or tackle, DN, they're going to let it go unless it's really egregious, unless it's really outlandish. Yes. Because they want the game to be determined they by do. the players on All the right. field. These are the referees that likely call it the least amount of penalties throughout the years are at least made the least amount of mistakes. Yeah. Those are the referees that get in the playoffs. So I feel you, Jerry, but you know, when crunch time, when the, the rubber meets the road in these playoffs, they're swallowing their whistles. That is correct. So to sum this up, the, the point that Jerry is making that Micah has made is that refs go with judgment calls on, did you get held to the point that you couldn't make a play that you were about to make? If you get held away from the ball or away from the passer, it, they just let it go. So it's harder on Micah because he's going to get there a lot more than most rushers get there. So that's, that's their issue is that have they planted enough seeds to say, watch, because maybe he's going to get there quicker than you think he was going to get there, right? Okay. We got to talk about this because the story of the night was a very negative story involving, we just talked about the Lions. We haven't talked about Michigan's football team as in the University of, but how about their basketball team coached by Monty Williams, led by Cade Cunningham, just set the NBA record for consecutive losses. How could that happen? We debate next. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Whew, the Detroit Pistons at the all-time NBA single-season record for consecutive losses last night, losing their 27th straight game, this one at home to Brooklyn by six, despite 41 points from Cade Cunningham. The 2-28 and 28 Pistons are on pace to finish with the worst record ever, which would be 6-76. and 76. Jeez. Whew. Cunningham, of course, was the number one overall pick and is in his third NBA season. Pistons coach Monty Williams coached Phoenix to the NBA Finals in 2021, won Coach of the Year in the NBA in 2022 after guiding those Suns to a 64-18 and record. So, Keyshawn, how surprised are you that a team with a former number one overall pick and a former Finals coach and Coach of the Year <laughs> is this bad? <laughs> Man, I'm... <laughs> I don't know what they're doing because it's not it's not like football where if you lose, you get the number one spot. Yeah. You got to go into the lottery and all. So it's not it, like yeah, if, if that wasn't the case, I'll sit there and be oh, they just tanking. Yeah. But they got Cave. They got Bondanovich. They, they got Marvin Bagley. I mean, they got some players. They so do. I don't know what's like to make of this, especially Monty Williams, big payday when he got let go 
uh, in Phoenix, and then yeah. all of a sudden he was the hottest thing on the market. Detroit scooped him up quick, fast, in a hurry. And now you're looking at a team that's two and twenty-eight. I don't even know. I don't even know what that looks like, though. I mean, it's like you can't win five games right no. now. No. I mean, like, come on. I just mm. it's just not going in the right direction. Because Monty Williams is a really good basketball. He, he just is. Or at least he was a no, really good basketball is. coach. He is. In, you know, in his stops in, in New Orleans yep. as well as Phoenix and mm-hmm. now in Detroit. And he, like you mentioned, he led them to the finals. And it's just, I don't know, I don't know what the make of it, Skip. And it, they're out there playing. They're trying. But they can't win. Mm-hmm. And it's in basketball. If this was football, uh, you know, and yep. there's only 17 games, and they've only won two. And you sit there, you go, oh, they're not good right now. Yeah. But they played 30 games, and they only got two. Explain that. Help me. Help him, Richard. Yeah. I, I wish I could help. I, I don't understand it. I, I just feel bad for the city of Detroit, for the, the, the state of Michigan. Thank goodness for football right now for hey. me, because the Detroit Lions are playing well. The University of Michigan football team is playing well because they have just had some really tough sports stories. I mean, you talk about the Lions team that went 0-16. Now you're talking about a record in basketball for most consecutive losses in a season. I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. Because the coach, I, I really don't think he's the problem. Um, I mean, some of this stuff is just lack of execution, sloppy basketball, lack of effort. Uh, the fundamental the things that take no talent, effort, and attitude. But I really can't put my finger on what is necessarily the problem there because it's they're not getting blown out in every game. No. But they're not winning either. And so I, I, in the history of basketball, I don't think this will be a big deal. I, you know, I think after this season, they'll draft somebody. We'll move on. You know, nobody will remember who was on this team or who coached it. But – I mean, it's just, I, I feel bad. You know, I feel bad for the players, the coaches, the organization, and especially the fans. They started off 2-1, and one, Skip. Mm-hmm. So, to that point, I watched their opener at Miami because I couldn't take my eyes off it because they stormed back. They, they were down 19 with nine minutes left in that game at Miami. And thanks to Cade and company, they stormed back, and Cade had a 30-footer at the buzzer that could have won it, and it was close. And, <sighs> It, it, it kept you on the edge of your seat. You thought, okay, that looked pretty good to me. They go to Charlotte for their next game, and they win handily. There was Lamel. They were at full strength at that point. And then they go home, and they beat Chicago handily, 118-102. to 102. And I thought, okay, they're 2-1, and one, and they, they came close to being 3-0. and oh. And then this started. And now we're back to Monty Williams. He is a really good basketball coach, and trust me on this, he's an even better human because he's about as good as they get when it comes to hearts, souls, men. Absolutely. And trust me, he's been through worse than this because he lost his wife in a car crash in Mm -hmm. Oklahoma City, and it was just horrible, 25th and Southwestern, and I, I still bleed for that that whole moment that he went through, it was just so so rough on him and his family. And the point is, he'll be okay. Will this stain his reputation if they go six and seventy-six? Well, it, it'll go down on his resume. It, it won't look great on his resume. But now let's get to Cade Cunningham. Okay, this is what 
I love and don't love about basketball. It can be a one-man sport because if you do have LeBron James early in Cleveland, you can take a bunch of guys and put around him, and LeBron, uh, LeBron is just so great. He, he was such a good young leader and scorer that, that he can transcend. He can lift that team up, and they obviously got all the way to an NBA Finals, ran into my Spurs who were just – they're just too many Hall of Famers, and they got swept, but they got all the way to the finals. So my point is, I did not love Cade Cunningham coming out of Oklahoma State, and I sat right here in this chair and said, I would take Jalen Green over him. Jalen Green's just a better scorer, but Cade's a much better all-around facilitator, passer, rebounder. Mm-hmm. He's got the whole, the, 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 the whole gamut of, of capability, but... He's not transcendent. Some guys just are. They just have that leadership gene or that takeover gene or whatever that is. Cade, with all those pieces you talked about, is not able to lift them up, even though he, gives, he gave you 41. He gave you 37 in the second half last night, and yet they got outscored down the stretch 26 to 15. Some guys have that it factor. I don't think Cade does. And it's, it's not a huge I'm, – I'm not condemning him. It's just it, you're asking him to, to take – you're asking a, him to do too much. much. Too much. More than he is capable of doing. And so night after night, and they got a tough stretch. They're, they're going to Boston now for their next game. Good luck with that. But they got a rough stretch of games. I, I don't think he's transcendent enough to lift this team up to break this streak anytime soon. So it, it comes down to, look what, look what Ja's doing right now in Memphis. Memphis got a lot of nice pieces. You can argue they have a much better team than Detroit does. But they were languishing, right? They were, let's see, they're... they're they won four since Okay, so, so they were, they're 10 and 19 now, so they were 6 and 19 when Ja came back. 6 and 19, well, that's not a whole lot better than, than 2 and 28, right? And what has Ja done since he stepped on the floor? What's happened? They have gone to New Orleans twice now and won games. It took overtime last night. 4 and 0. Yeah, 4-0. Oh. It's Ja Morant. He's transcendent. There's something about the charisma factor... The, the impact, yeah. the, the, it, it, there's something different when we compare Ja Morant to what Cade Cunningham well, that, is not able to do. But right? that's, that's what a lot of, yeah. you know, when we're going to dive into the Lamar Jackson effect, mm-hmm. but that, yeah. that certain that, players, that, that's what it is. Certain Good. players that is have that. That is correct. And Ja has it. When yes. he walks into the building, the building stops. When he enters into the restaurant, everybody looks. I mean, certain people, Michael Jordan, there's just certain people that just have that and when guys go high in drafts, it's not always about yeah. just their skill set. It's about the whole package that's being delivered. And I think a lot of people sometimes they forget that. Now you mentioned Kay Cunningham out of Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. You didn't necessarily like some of the things that was missing where Jalen Green had some of that. I mean, that's just that happens all the time in sports. I mean, it just it just does. Yeah, it just does. And, and all this gets magnified by the point Richard made because in Detroit, the Lions are suddenly, they're back. They just won the division. And listen. Fighting for home hey, field advantage throughout. And, and just up the, the road in Ann Arbor, Jim Harbaugh's team is the number one seed in the college football playoffs. I think they're really good. I think they got a great shot of winning it all. A lot of people like Alabama over Michigan, but the yeah, point I is, like do you? Okay, I like Michigan. Saint Nick, man. But the point is, it's it's happening in football in the Detroit area right now, and it ain't happening in basketball. And I was there at all those finals with all those bad boy Pistons teams, and it was you you want to talk about a great 
basketball city, whew, all the, the Rodman teams and well, the even Isaiah here, teams. Even, even the, the team Dumar that beat team. us. I mean, with, with uh, Ben Wallace and oh, company. Lord. They had yeah, some right. a nice Rip little and, run there. Yeah, Rip they and did. And Rasheed Wallace, Rip, Rip mm-hmm. yep. Chauncey. Oh, oh, wow. And now it's come to this? Long it's time a, ago, though. It was a long time ago, but this is just hard to watch. And to your point, it's just hard to believe. Okay, up next, why the eye test should tell you Lamar Jackson is the NFL's best player. So, Richard. Well, not according to somebody on this show, but I ain't going to, you know, just going to yeah. let him keep talking. Yeah. No mercy. No mercy. Charles McDonald, who analyzes the NFL for Yahoo Sports, wrote this about why Lamar Jackson is leading the MVP race, and I quote, The game on Monday night showed that Jackson and Purdy are not the same caliber of player, even though Purdy's stats this year are otherworldly. Jackson is the singular force that's allowed the Ravens to become one of the best offenses in the league. He operates on a plane that few quarterbacks do, which is why he's on track to get the second MVP award of his career. So, Richard, you fought yesterday for your case that Brock Purdy should still be the MVP leader because of his stats, 29 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, and they're still so much better than Lamar's, 19-7. and I'm going to guess that your answer to this will be no, but does Charles McDonald's column at all change your mind? Well, first off, that wasn't my point at all yesterday. Um, I said that Brock Purdy lost his MVP case by throwing four interceptions in December in a game. So we'll start there. I think Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill have a great case right now. Again, we're talking about a running back and Christian McCaffrey with 21 touchdowns total potentially having the same amount of touchdowns as a quarterback MVP with 24. I, I, I just don't see that. People say, oh, my God, you're biased. He's passing the eye test. Do you see their record? Do you see how they're winning games? I, see, I saw a team whose defense caused five turnovers. Got it. I saw Lamar Jackson play a really good football game. He threw for 250-something yards, two touchdowns. Um, was dynamic with his legs. I think he ran it seven times for 45 yards. I got it. Overall, <clears throat> as I've said, the numbers aren't there comparable to the previous years. So, I mean, we can, we, you can argue to the death, I test, I test, this, that, and the third. You can't, you can't specifically back anything up with stats. Every quarterback to have won the award over the last decade or Five, five years. We'll go with five years. Has led the league in some category, in some category, whether it's touchdown passes, completion percentage, yards. It's going to be led in something, and they're going to be probably top five in everything else. That's just not the case this year. There's not a category you can find where Lamar Jackson is top five or top ten in the categories that matter for quarterbacks. I think, I think completion percentage, he may be – eight or nine, so we'll, we'll give him that. But usually, when you're talking about an MVP of the league, you're talking about one, two in just about every category. You're talking about touchdowns, completion percentage, yards. And in, in Lamar's case, his combined yards, his rushing and, and his passing yards, and his combined touchdowns. The year he won it, he had 43 total touchdowns. He had 
1,200 yards pass. I mean, running the football, he had, I think, 3,100 um, passing, which is fine. You combine those, he has about 4,300 yards. Got it. But when you talk about that and you say, all right, he passed the eye test. Got it. I got it. He looked really good this game. But are we going to say, hey, if Tua Tunga-Vailoa, when they play this week, if he beats Lamar Jackson, then automatically, regardless of everything that has happened this season, since their record is great, and he beat Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson was the leader this week for MVP, then he's all of a sudden the MVP? I don't know if that's how it works, but that's what you guys are telling me. Then You guys are telling me that's how it works. So I guess I got to accept it. I would hope so that you would accept it because <laughs> we are telling you that's how it works because that's how it's been working every other week. Right? Jalen Hurts, six weeks ago, he was a front runner. He was. He was the front runner, right? I mean, that was the case. You talk about Lamar Jackson's numbers, Richard. The numbers across the board offensively this year are down in general. They just are. That, that, okay? They, they really aren't. They are down. They really okay? are. And then when you look at Lamar's numbers from his campaign in the year that he won it, he's not, his numbers aren't dynamic. But just like he said, when you look at him on the big stage on Christmas night and the world is a watching, uh, three MVPs are in the game. He had the best game, the most exciting. Yes, his defense got the football for him to score points. That's what you do. You did it for Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. That's what you do. Warren Sapp and Derrick Brooks got it for me to try to score. That's what you do. So when you look at him and you watch how he dazzles and runs around and delivers the football, that's in sync. That is not Brock Purdy right now. Brock Purdy threw four interceptions. That is drive we're, killers. We're that is drive and killers. That will lose I you hear. a game. Now you speak to Tyreek so. Hill and you speak to Christian McCaffrey. Yes. They deserve an opportunity to win, almost called the Heisman, the MVP, because I feel like we have these type of conversations about the Heisman, to win the MVP. There's no question about it. But this award, and let's be real here, this MVP award is about the best quarterback with decent numbers or great numbers on the best team. Mm. That is what happens. It's been that way. Is it right? It has never it, been that way. It's it literally never been that way. So that's, and, that's Aaron the Aaron Rodgers won the MVP with the best record and the most touchdowns. What in are you talking best, about? And, and, in, exactly, you, the most touchdowns. Make my point, Keyshawn, because the numbers, your point is non-existent. I, okay. The numbers have to be there. So it, you just it, said it, the numbers. The quarterback it, with, the, with, with okay numbers. I that's let you never go, Richard. Let me finish. I said zero to. words as you can try to communicate to me and Skip. Give me the courtesy, brother, and let me finish. Okay. Okay? I got you. So when you look at it, you say Aaron Rodgers, whatever, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, <laughs> his team was winning. When you match and you put all that together, the numbers are going to support, plus the winning is going to support. Mm. Same thing with, with uh, Lamar. At the end of the day, whether you combine his running and his passing, and you put it together, he will have numbers when the 17th game is over, along with winning. That's what we are projecting. 
We are projecting these things. Mm. So when you look at all of the MVPs, whether it's Peyton Manning, whether it's Tommy, any of them, at quarterbacks, mm. and they were winning. Derrick Henry didn't get it the year that he probably should have gotten it, okay? But Adrian Peterson got it because he was 2,000 yards back, and they were winning. Mm. That's what happens. They're not just giving awards away. They're just not doing that. It's a quarterback-friendly award. We all know that. It's been that way for as long as I can remember. And the numbers are down this year offensively across the board. Am I right, Skip? Mm, you are right. Okay. No, so. he's not right. You're, you're giving him credit where he's not doing. He's got 24 touchdowns. There's no other quarterback with that, that few that are, is in this discussion. Nobody else has that few in this, okay. in this discussion. You literally made my it's point. A, hey, man. When you, so when you talked about Richard, Aaron Rodgers. Lead the league in categories, you get the award. When you don't lead the league in categories, you don't get the award. But apparently this year it's different because it, because of eye test and things I like that. I literally so just now, told it, you. I literally just said it's a different year. The numbers are down. Now, to, so but to a tongue of Iloa. So to a tongue of Iloa. Beats Lamar this week. He's yes. the MVP. Yes, he's going, to, he's going to jump That's from his third or fourth spot. Ever heard it might be dumb life. to you, Richard, but it's not it's dumb, dumb to the general. people that's voting. We'll, we'll see, I guess, because the, 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 your, your, your arguments are devoid of logic. It's, it's okay devoid to be, of fact. Man, it's okay to be wrong, Richard. Give me facts, Skip. Give okay. me facts, Keyshawn, and right. I, I will. I, so, I what the hell you think I just gave you? Richard, let me, let me give you this. Stupid. I owe you an apology because I thought yesterday your case was that Brock Purdy still has 29 touchdown passes, 10 more than Lamar has. So I thought you were still sticking with Brock Purdy. I thought you were still making the case it's traditionally, historically a quarterback's award to win. And now... Now you're telling me it's Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek, right? I said that yesterday. I okay, said that I didn't yesterday. hear that. But you, it, it, it's funny when you – you neither got did I. Skip. That's I, I didn't hear that. And that's neither did I. I. Well, guess I what? The beautiful thing about tape is you can go back and look yes. at the tape, and you, you will both sound ridiculous you by say saying that. Because only I said name at I the beginning you. of that argument – I said Brock Purdy has literally lost this award by throwing four I interceptions in December in a primetime game. That was literally the first thing I said. So when you guys say you didn't hear me, that's I didn't called hear selective you. hearing. No, it's not. I heard Josh Allen. Maybe I selected to hear that. Because when you said Josh Allen, I, my, I, my mouth dropped. Yeah, your mouth dropped because I said Josh Allen has much better numbers and he is not the MVP. Mm. So again, I just heard Josh it, Allen. Takes, it takes you guys have to be active listening. So okay. when you were just I'm, waiting I'm to talk, that's listening not active right listening. Now. Who, who is your I, I MVP at you. this point? Who, who do you have? I would guess it's between Tyreek and Christian McCaffrey, depending on how the season ends and depending on the numbers they put up. Okay, because who like do you, you have said, right now? Right now you have Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, I would go with Christian McCaffrey. 21 okay. touchdowns, 18, all right, 100 all-purpose yards. Okay. So now we, we have it on tape. So when you go back and you sit there and try to make this discussion again – Richard Sherman said Brock Purdy after the four interception. Then you can go back and you can correct yourself. Okay. So what's your gut feeling right now on the way most voters are leaning? What, what's your, what does what your, your sort of subconscious tell you about this right now? I don't really have a gut feeling about it. I think it's going to go to either Tyreek Hill or Christian McCaffrey, whichever one ends the season no. on the higher note. If, if, if Tyreek goes off for 150 
uh, this next game against Baltimore. He goes off. He's going to probably get the award. If Christian McCaffrey goes off for 150 and 60 yards receiving in these next two games, he's probably going to get the award because they will likely he will likely have as many or close to as many touchdowns as Lamar Jackson, which is insane because no quarterback has won the award without being top five in these categories at least in the last decade. So you can, if you're saying a quarterback is going to win the award, not being top five or top 10 in a lot of these categories, then we're talking about a different kind of award. We we are talking about a quarterback is going to win, and that quarterback is Lamar Jackson. If he does what we all think he is, Miami, then Pittsburgh, and have the number one seed, he is certainly going to win the award, Richard. Mm. He's going to win it if that happens. And if Tua beats him, yeah, at and, Baltimore, and, at Baltimore and he beats him, and he has a, just a 330-yard a, a night or whatever it against is that defense, against that yeah. defense in yeah. their home, and they get into the number one spot, and I don't know who Miami plays the next week, but he will probably most likely win the award. Mm-hmm. Miami plays Buffalo. And, and Buffalo, yeah. yeah. Then, then, then it comes down to those two at the end of the season, mm-hmm. whether it's Josh Allen gets back in the mix if he runs the table, and they go and they beat Miami, then he may have an opportunity to win the war. But right now, today, as I sit in this seat, it's going to Lamar Jackson. You can mark that down. I I guess guess the the history of the award and how they picked the award for the history of time matters not this year because apparently this year they're going to throw out all conventional rules and ways that they've discussed the MVP conversation that they've based the MVP conversation. And they're just going to say, well, whoever wins at the end and whoever has the one seat at the end, who, who's playing quarterback for them? That's, yeah, that's who we're giving up. So just, don't, don't man, the numbers throw are down the, across the board for offenses. Throw away the numbers, throw away the, the logic. Let's just look at the game and say, mm, that guy won this one. Let's give it to him. I guess. I, I, I just can't skip. I don't even know. I can't. Okay. Because well, I'm waiting. I, I just feel like I'm wasting the conversation. A hundred percent, because you don't have any facts. Neither one of you. What you the got, hell you got are you opinions talking about? Richard, did you watch Give me the game? I watched the game. I watched him throw for 250 and two touchdowns. I watched him play throw for 250 and two touchdowns. I watched five interceptions by a defense. I watched Kyle Hamilton get two interceptions. I watched him get four sacks in the game. I did not see Lamar Jackson get five interceptions, four sacks in the game. So I apologize, Skip. Maybe I missed him on this defensive, on the defensive side of the ball. Let me ask you you a football question because I already know the answer to it. But I'm going to ask you just because I want to ask you. Have you ever gotten an interception and your offense got the ball back and they went and scored? Have you ever in your Hall of Fame career ever done that? I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay. I'm That's sure. the dang on point is to get the ball what, to the offense, point? Richard. Right. So, so you get the ball to the offense, and that tells me that the quarterback And then the offense MVP. capitalizes and tries to now, score. They if, may if not score every single time, but they, they scored seven straight possessions, dog. And four, if, if he threw for 300 and threw for four touchdowns and ran one in, then I would hear what you're saying, Keyshawn. That's I not what can't. you're saying. But you Stop can't because you have no caught up on numbers, man, and look at the football game. Stop, Stop always worrying been, about the numbers. That's what this award has been based on in the history of the award. So excuse me for basing are it you, off of what it's you been based on. Are you still not listening and understanding? Why would I listen to you? Changed. You are presenting nothing. This year, the offenses are this down. Year. 
What are this you year. talking about? So last about? year when Patrick Mahomes won it, the year before that when Aaron Rodgers won it, the year before that when Aaron Rodgers won it, the year before that when Lamar won it, it was just a very specific way they used to determine who won you the award. You, you're too year, damn smart for your mm, own good, man. Mm. I'd rather be smart than dumb. You're you too mm. smart for your own good because you're not listening. I'd rather be smart than you dumb. you got to listen. What am I listening to? The they, numbers are down across the board on offenses. I'm waiting for a point. Okay. So like, you're, you're I'll, telling I'll give me a quarterback with point. 24 to, Please. Lamar please. Jackson has rushed for 230 more yards than any Everybody. other quarterback. Any other quarterback. Justin Fields, name him. 230 more uh, okay. yards. Okay. And, 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 and he's 500, 600 yards passing behind the quarterback that's leading the league. Skip, make it make sense. You don't, you're Combine not making a point it that's together. relevant. Combine it together. That's his a quarterback style. That's running, Impact. running the football is going to outrush quarterbacks that don't run the football. I got it, Skip. Mm. Like, what, what does this have to do with touchdowns? You, when I tell you that every quarterback in the past five years has led the league in passing touchdowns. Okay. Richard, and he he lost, won an award. And you're lost, telling me a quarterback. He lost Mark Andrews, his number one target, his security blanket. He's <sighs> lost, it seems like, five running backs. They just keep recycling in other running backs. Now they're down to Melvin Gordon trying to fit him into their rotation. He just I, keeps I hear all this. doing it and doing it and doing it at the highest level. He is a transcendent leader and it's, playmaker. And your eyes tell you right now he's the best player. That, but that yeah. it, it's a flimsy, nonsensical argument if you're telling me that one okay. loss this week can All destroy right. this whole thing. So you're telling me one loss this well, week no, and everything you wire. just said, it's, one, one, it's not, and one loss changes your whole mind. That okay. means it's not real, Skip. This is a beautiful NFL season because for the first time in 30 years, we had teams with these great records meeting on Christmas night. And now... We, we get to validate it again with another big punctuation mark because we have another game of the year. We have Miami that just beat Dallas with a last-second drive by Tua and a walk-off field goal. We get to see them go to Baltimore, and let's see what happens between Tua and Lamar. It's and, and, beautiful. And, and this award this year is going to go to a quarterback all the way to the wire. Whichever quarterback doesn't fumble it away in the end, because one of them going to fumble it away. Whether it's Lamar, whether it's Tua, whether it's Purdy, we saw Dak Prescott fumble it away. We saw Jalen Hurts fumble it. Somebody's going to fumble it away. Whoever doesn't fumble it away is going to win the award, dog. Yep. Now, come on now, man. That's that's let's right. go. That's not based. That's not the way the award has been uh, awarded. But I guess this year we should just throw out everything through all conventional. Okay. We got to talk about like, another quarterback, that other guy who played on Monday it. night. He should have. <laughs> Did Brock Purdy's fatal flaws get exposed on Monday night? We'll debate that next. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Fall back down. Once again, your turn. Hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go. First tweet from Robert Merrill. Speaking of big wide receivers, Cowboys don't want to see this man, Keyshawn, LOL. You remember that? It took all of them to bring that <laughs> they down. They took the whole team. Look at it. About yeah. five dudes around me. <laughs> Interesting. Did, did you score? Uh, I probably got to the, the I don't know if that's – is that the goal? I, I don't know if goal. it is or not. No. All right. 
Next up from Darius, Skip agreeing with Richard and Keyshawn after finally realizing the cowgirls just aren't the team everyone thought they were. I'm with you. What do you think? Is that is that from is that a Real Housewife on it Bravo? Lo- it I looks like it, it right, Richard. Well, I'm not sure. Yeah, like one so. of them shows. That's, that's from. <laughs> and finally from definitely Frank. Definitely reality. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is Frank who says Skip gives up on Dak. That's my quarterback. That's my favorite T.O. moment. Remember after Dallas lost at home to Eli's Giants? I think they had the one seed that year. What it, it, it was Romo or something? Yeah, something Romo had just gone to Cabo in the week off, right? He got lost. In- <laughs> okay. All right. So the questions remain about Brock Purdy's four interception game in that home loss to the Ravens on Christmas night. Were flaws exposed? Was Monday night significant or just another night and irrelevant? Richard, please, you first. Well, I don't think many flaws were exposed, but I also don't think it was irrelevant. I mean, you can't throw four interceptions in a game and it'd be irrelevant. Um, Do I think that this was a case of a quarterback making bad decisions or being inaccurate with his throws or are just not processing the way he has all season? I don't think so. You know, I think this is one of those situations where it's unfortunate plays. They Great play by the defense to tip the ball up in a, in a second interception, the first interception, bad decision. You you got to find, you got to see Kyle Hamilton there, that he didn't go with George Kittle, he didn't fill that route, and you can't throw that pass. So that's a mistake, no question. He played, he played that was a bad play. But the rest of these, you sit there and say, well, either he, the ball got tipped up, and he got intercepted. Great play by defense. That play right there, it, it's hitting. You know, you're giving your receiver a chance. It pops up. Interception. Your, your arm gets hit on a pass. Interception. Yeah, got it. Did. You know, yeah. I'm not sitting there saying this is bad decision making. And Kyle Shanahan said the same thing. And one thing I'll say about Kyle Shanahan is he's a straight shooter. If this was an awful game, awful decision making by Brock Purdy, he would be the first to say he got to make better decisions in these situations. We can't have those plays. We can't win with him making those decisions. Kyle said the same thing I'm saying. Unfortunate plays um, led to these interceptions, but give Baltimore's defense credit. They made the plays. So these aren't just fluky, oh, man, Brock Purdy just, like, they just luckily got, they didn't luck into it. They made the plays. They forced these turnovers. They put pressure in his face. They got their hands up. So they deserve credit for the mistakes that were made and the turnovers that were made, but it doesn't take away what Brock Purdy is and make me feel like, oh, man, they're going to struggle going forward because these weren't bad decisions that he was making. Okay, so your initial question, Skip, was, is it significant or it's just 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 irrelevant? Just another night next. Yeah. I'm going to say it was significant. I'm not going to minimize it Mm. because when I look at the NFC and I look at what – San Francisco is and what happened to them and when it happened to them and the teams that they could potentially face. The Dallas Cowboys, for instance. I'll just give you that little bit of a smile on your face. I'll take that. Richard Sherman mentioned pressure. Michael Parsons is one of the top five guys in getting pressure. May not be getting to the quarterback and bringing him down, Mm. but he's applying pressure along with his classmate in Lawrence on the other side. They apply pressure. What did the clownies of the world do the other night? They apply pressure. Mm. They rattled the cage, so to speak. Yep. I understand if Kittle was supposed to run a corner route, he didn't get there, but Brock Purdy threw the football. 
He got rid of the ball in a bad situation. Yes, Kyle Hamilton may be stretched to the back pylon if Kittle truly was supposed to run the corner route. Debo Samuel's wide open for the touchdown. But if you play in a quarterback position, you are scanning the field. You know, oh, that's not bam. And you're going to let it go somewhere else and get off of it, anticipating the throw. So now you say, well, what is Brock Purdy? I think Brock Purdy's still a good quarterback. I do. I honestly do. This happens to everybody at some point in time in their career. They're going to run into a roadkill. And this mm. just happened to be on our eyes on Christmas for interceptions. I can't just, oh, his arm got hit. Oh, well, this did. No, because if it was Dak Prescott yep. or Josh Allen mm. or Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson or any of these other guys, yep. it wouldn't be any of that. It would be, oh, my God, I can't believe that they that's the way we would treat it. So we got to treat everything fair. On top of that, when you look at Brock Purdy's numbers from a trailing standpoint, Skip, when you're mm -hmm. trailing, Brock Purdy, when he's trailing in a game, five touchdowns, seven interceptions, 63% completion percentage, passer rating at 82, down double-digit deficit at any point in the game, two touchdowns to eight, 65%, mm -hmm. passer rating 68, 0-3. Now I look at Kyle Shanahan, and I've been knowing since he was a puppy, yeah. okay? The man is 0-38 when trailing by at least eight points in the fourth quarter since 2017. And you mean to tell me that's nothing to worry about? If somebody gets up on them and holds the lead in the fourth quarter? Yep. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So you better tell the I Dallas went. Cowboys they better try to get up and hold that lead in the fourth quarter. <laughs> that's what you better try to tell them. Easier. Easier said than done. That's why they've been at uh, the NFC Championship three of the last four years. I, I get it. Uh, because I, I get of it. That, uh, I, I get it. I, I do get I get it. But I just gave you the numbers, though, Richard. Yeah. You say I, you want numbers, numbers and facts? 0 and 38. Yeah. 0 and 38. And they've been to three of the past four NFC Championships. That's just a fact. Okay. So, Richard, allow me to say Brock Purdy is a really, really good quarterback. But he's not what a lot of people think that he is. Cam Newton, a week or so ago, said he's a game manager. He's the opposite to me of a game manager. We've heard people say system quarterback, and Keyshawn says, well, they're all system. Everybody's playing within the system they are. in which they're dropped, yes. right? Okay, but the point is about Brock Purdy, and I watched him for four years at Iowa State. He does have some Brett Favre in him, but... He has the capability to pull off a lot of Farvian throws, and he's been doing that regularly, consistently for these 49ers. He also has that one capability that his greatest strength can also become his greatest weakness because there's that haywire gene lurking in there where if, if he goes south right away, if he drops, if he falls behind, he tries too hard. He tries to do too much to get even, and he'll make some bad choices. And I, I agree with what Richard said. The one, the, the, the DB makes a great play, tipping the ball up in the air, and then the other one, his arm gets hit. Where Richard and I digress and disagree was on the third interception because that was vintage Brock Purdy where he escapes to his right, he's scrambling to his right, and it's ill-advised to me to throw it back across your body into the middle of the field. And I don't care what you say, that's covered. And the ball gets tipped back to a Kyle Hamilton who had gotten knocked down and got back in the play and, and picked it off. So, so to me, I, I put everything in a Dallas Cowboy concept. 
And, and I have to think that, gee, the, the only hope I have is to what Keyshawn said. If we do wind up back out there for a third playoff game in three years, if we get after him, if we can take the lead like we almost did at Miami with that opening drive, we won the toss and took it all the way down to first and goal at the one and fumbled. If we could get up seven to nothing and start to pressure Brock Purdy, we got a shot because yeah. that's his one weakness oh, is, yeah. is that. Yeah. And you can say that's everybody's weakness. And I give you that. And he's had not a good year. He's had a sensational year until somebody finally took the lead on him and then got after him. Can you okay? can you can you <laughs> yeah. can you get up at least eight points in the fourth quarter? Can you? Did you might have okay, a maybe shot got based a shot. on Shanahan's record. No. If but, you can get up right like now. Maybe. We maybe. have we have we have proof and data from this season, Skip. Every single quarterback has had bad games. And your team has played this kid. They played yeah. him multiple times. They played yeah. him in the playoffs. They played him yeah. in the regular season. He's won every single time. So okay. I hear what you're saying. You're <laughs> finding hope. This kid is beating you every time he's yes. seen you. So you don't put anything, you don't put anything, you don't put anything into any of this about falling behind and not being able to play catch up. You don't put anything into I, it, I, 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 that, That's an accurate stat. I'm, I'm not uh, putting anything against it. It hasn't had en enough relevance for me to put it in because – if you're talking about coaches that haven't had that, they haven't been to the NFC Championship or the AFC Championship game. They've gone home early. So okay. clearly this stat isn't stopping them from getting to the championship. All right, we got to leave it there because Young Money is next. Joining me and Keyshawn to debate whether, speaking to those Cowboys, they're done. Well, well. <laughs> no mercy, no mercy, no mercy. It is time for Young Money, featuring two Lil Wayne protégés, buddies of mine, Yella Beezy from Dallas, Alan Cubis from Wayne's hometown of New Orleans. Alan, your Saints and Keyshawn Saints are almost done, will be done Sunday at Tampa Bay. But please answer me this, Alan. Are the Cowboys done, as in will they lose their first-round playoff game, almost certainly on the road, probably at Tampa? Your thoughts? You know, actually, I actually predict that the Cowboys are going to uh, finish strong here. I think the Do Cowboys you? are going to win nice these next two games. And I think that the Cowboys potentially go on the road unless miraculously by, by some chance we get in. But if it's the Bucs, what it looks like it's going to be. I think the Cowboys could actually go on the road and beat the Bucs. I also predict Yeller coming with his best energy. I predict Skip reviving all of his Barry jerseys back from the dead. <laughs> The infamous How About Them Cowboys. Yeah. I see all of America getting real back in. Really? They're right on schedule. I see the Cowboys losing in the divisional game because we okay. know good and well they don't play in conference championships. <laughs> it's something we ain't seen since the mid-90s. So That is correct. I, I actually see them in typical Cowboy fashion getting people back on board. I think they're, they're going to win this next game. I think they could go on the road to beat Tampa. <laughs> so if the aspiration is Super Bowl, which you would think it should be for America's team. Yep. And yeah, I do see their chances as, as being done. You know, I think that it's um, Jerry Jones is saying all the right things. Dak's playing better than he's ever seen. The team is as healthy as it's ever been, even though that's debatable. I mean, they're not healthy at corner, left tackle. You can you can make those arguments, but um, they have the talent. I don't think that's debatable. They got talent on both sides of the ball. It's just the intangibles, the big plays, the half a yard, the fumbling on the goal line. It's always something. This is what separates the good, the great. Yep. They're going to have to go on a roll three consecutive times. I don't see it happening. I see them right. at most. Get them, yell up. 
Yeah, of course. I, I agree with him. I feel like, you know, I feel like we got a very good chance of beating Tampa Bay. We just, we can't let ourselves get into ourselves. Self-wound, like self-wounds, like, hey, that's what's that's what's beating us. Keith, you can shake your head all day. That's what's been beating us. We've been beating ourselves. How you say it? Self-inflicted wounds. That's it. That's the only thing that's, that's stopping us. I feel like Tampa, you know, they, they, they have two reason, at the end of the day. The only reason why I'm even shaking my head is because you just assume it's going to be Tampa, and you just, rather than say, we need to worry about Detroit, you like, eh, well, we no. just... The, 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 the question say Tampa, Tampa Bay. I yeah. feel like we can get... You can yeah, that, That's the question. I feel like we can get Detroit. I feel like we can, like, not trying to be funny, I feel like we can get Detroit. Like, you know, we'll kind of, I think we got a little tad bit more seasonal. We're coming back from a humbling road loss again. I, I don't feel like we're going to go down and let them come to Jerry World and run us over. I don't feel like that's gonna happen. No, wait, I feel like we can get our league back with starting with Detroit, ended off with uh, Washington, and yeah. then I feel like if we gotta play Tampa Bay, yeah. we can get them. Keyshawn, are you saying we're gonna win the division? Then we should focus on catching Philadelphia. No, what I'm okay. saying, what I'm saying is yeah, I want my young brother mm-hmm. in in yellow, so I don't have to FaceTime him right when the field goal <laughs> for the Miami game is going up. You really did that over <laughs> my shoulder. I had the the TV right here, and I just. Bam, I wanted him to see it that going up and in low. because he tried yeah. to poke fun at me when the Saints lost to the Rams. <laughs> so in the end, what I, what I said to you earlier, Skip, and mm-hmm. what I'll tell him right now mm-hmm. is Detroit is important because they're going to try to run the football. Well, they ain't going to try. That's what they're going to do. Now, whether it's positive or negative, that you can turn it into a negative if your defense come to stop the run, something that you guys haven't been able to basically do against Teams that have committed to the run this year against you, you've allowed them to get make hey, focus in on those things before you even get to Tampa Bay. But y'all want to jump right over it, and this is why I have a problem okay. with Cowboy fans. Okay, you want to leapfrog everything okay, to the but Tampa you Bay keep Bucks. Saying we're stuck in the five, right? We're, we're yes, be the but just because you're stuck in the fifth position. Yeah doesn't mean that you don't have things to improve on. And this is a perfect opportunity for you to prove on that is against Detroit. And, and you'll say it proved I, nothing. I feel like we can get Detroit, though. But even if you see how they steamed it up, like when Michael off the ball, he can, he can, he can run sideline to sideline. As long as they play him off the ball, at least I, I say at least first one or two plays when they try to run, I feel like we can stop them. Do they you know what y'all gave up in Buffalo, man? Yeah, but, they, but he was playing on the ball that the whole game. I that ain't, about I, how he playing. How he's playing when he's off the ball, it, it affects the whole defense. Doesn't matter. Because he's able to ball hawk. He's able to look at what's coming from the backfield. He's able to look at the quarterback, see if he's going to do any type of RPO. When he's been playing off the ball, that defense has been changed. But it ain't the 266 yards against Micah. It's 266 yards against your defense. It's 222 no, yes, against your defense. But I'm saying defense. he was playing on the line. If you put that man off the line, okay. off the ball, Don't listen to me. he can change. Don't listen to me. I think that, 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 that this Lions game is going to be tough, but playing the Buccaneers is a better matchup for them. You know, as, as hot as Baker Mayfield's been, yep. he's also a gunslinger. He's prone he to is. turn the ball over at times. I think if the Cowboys could pin the ears back, they got a good shot in that game, but that's mm. it. Yeah, but I want to, but, but, but at the same time, but see, at the same time, I focus in on portable things. And teams are portable in the NFC. Detroit can run the football. They're portable. Mm. The Philadelphia mm. Eagles, when they commit to running the football via quarterback or running back, they can run the football. The San Francisco 49ers and Christian McCaffrey, 
can run the football. Mm. So when you're That's committed why I'm not to, get to the conference but when you committed to doing that, mm. you can make hay. You can move around. If your defense can't practice against Detroit's mm. run mm. and stop it, you're in trouble, Skip. Mm-hmm. Deshaun, at home, I mean, would you, you believe? You, you, mentioned, you mentioned Philadelphia, yeah. but you seen what we did to Philly stop the run when they came to our house. Detroit but you ain't going to be at house. home. Well, against Detroit. Well, we yeah. Detroit. You ain't going to be at home against nobody. Okay. In oh, Tampa, you're in the playoffs. We can get Tampa. We talk, if, if we get Tampa first, we can get Tampa. And I know that's your team. I know you act like you ain't played for a season, but I understand you got your, you got your ring. With I Tampa. don't look. I, 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 I don't care Kishan about teams in the National Football League. I care about the USC. Sorry, Astros. That's it. They're playing today. <laughs> I was okay. the biggest uh, I, fan over there. I got to stop you guys. Early exit, I got to stop you. Great job as always. Look forward to talking to you next week when got the Cowboys are back already. in the saddle. Up next, will Ja lead the Grizz to the playoffs? Be John Morant yesterday was named NBA Western Conference Player of the Week. Last night, he led the Grizzlies to their fourth straight win since his return, of course, from his 25-game suspension. Now, two of those wins were at New Orleans. Memphis is now 10-19. and 19. So does Ja lead this team to the playoffs? Richard, you first. I, I mean, Skip, the way they play with John Morant, there's a, definitely a chance, you know, like – we were talking about earlier. He's one of those guys that elevates everybody around him. If nothing else, they'll, they'll get a shot at the play-in, and I don't see a team, you know, that can deal with him in a play-in situation. No. I count the play-in as the playoffs, believe yeah. it or not. So, yeah, he, he will. They're, they're four and a half games back yes. of the 10th spot of yeah. the Golden State Warriors. So, right. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say yeah. Okay. I mean, think about what he's been able to do so far hey, since he's come back. Th- that team is night and day different looking with Ja on the floor because they got their man back, their igniter back, their playmaker back. And at New Orleans uh, against Zion, who went ahead of him in the draft, he did it to him again. Took overtime, but he did it they to look, him again. They look like the Dallas Cowboys without Emmitt Smith, and they got Emmitt Smith back, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. So we're comparing Jada. And I just did that. I, I just I did that there. just I'm to get you a little sure cowboy. Yeah, but I, I don't <laughs> think he quite belongs in this thing there. But that's it for today's Undisputed. We are back tomorrow at 930. Get Easter. some ice. Get some ice for that face, Richard. And After I we just boop, 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 boop,